0: We began this pedic talking about Hanan and Admon, the judges of jerusalem and we already mentioned one halacha taught by hanan we're going to learn today three mishnayot uh, the second halacha by hanan and two of the seven uh, laws that were taught by admon so here is the second one of hanan a man goes away on a trip and uh, does not leave provisions for his wife and someone else a friend will call him uh, comes and, and he uh, provides sustenance for the wife who is uh, at home. And so then eventually the husband does come back and this friend wants to be paid back for the money that he laid out for his friend's wife. So, Hanan Omer, Ibed et Me'otab. Hanan says, Sorry, he loses his money. The friend cannot be paid back. If the husband, before he left, had asked the friend, Hey, you know, can you uh, lend me some money and provide for my wife while I'm away? Then, yes, he would have to pay back. But the husband did not ask. The friend just did it on his own. So, since, he, uh, the, the, since the husband did not ask him, Hanan says, Okay, he gave a nice gift to this wife, but he does not get paid back. Nachlikua labnekon gedolim vaamidu kama hosi vi however the sons of the klan gedolim disagree with hanan in this case as well and say that the friend can swear how much he spent uh, providing for his friend's wife and he can collect the money from the husband amarbido saban harkenas kedrehem amarbido saban harkenas as before they agree with the ben ekon gedolim amarbi hanan mitzkaya fe amranan nikh meotav al kelenase vi vasbi Ben Zakai agrees with Hanan, just as he did before. And he gives an example. It's like if you put your money on the horn of a deer, right? And the deer is running. So you're not going to expect to get that money back. The same thing, right? If you take your money and you give it to this woman, uh, no one asked you to give it to her, to provide for her. Uh, if she wants to go to court and demand it, right, she has other ways, um, but no one asked you to give it to her. So it's like you put your money on the horn of a deer and therefore you do not have a right to ask for it back. All right, that's the Mishnah. Now the Gemana is going to compare this case with another Mishnah in Masechet Nedarim. And we're going to use the opinion of Hanan to help us explain one of the clauses in this Mishnah if, uh, there's two people and one makes a vow that I will not benefit, derive benefit from you uh, so even though they normally they cannot derive benefit. Um, from each uh, one from the other and so you know one can't give a gift to the other or anything like that nevertheless one of them can give machasit shekel on behalf of his friend and that's not called giving him benefit we'll see why in the, in the Talmud and also he can pay back that guy's loan for example if there's a lender and a borrower out there the borrower owes money back to the lender and I say I'm not going to give any benefit to this borrower uh, then I am still allowed to go to the lender and pay back the borrower's loan on his behalf. I give him the money. That is permitted. We'll discuss that also. mahaziyat uh, bedato is, uh, if, even if I, I said I'm not going to benefit someone, but I find this guy's donkey uh, somewhere on the road and I, I, can, I can return it to him, and that does not violate the vow. Uh, the Mishnah can, uh, ends and says, in a place where there is sacher, if normally when in the case when I return your donkey. Um, I should get paid for that for that trouble uh, that I spent the, the, that time that I spent going and finding the getting this donkey and finding you and b- returning it well normally you're supposed to pay me for uh, for that time um, but since we vowed um, that we will not benefit each other so you can't give me the money nevertheless you do still are you still have to give that money somewhere uh, so the, and since you made a vow that you're not going to give any benefit to me, so that money will go to Hekdesh, it will go to the Betamikdash. Uh So the giving of uh, the returning of the item is not considered a benefit, but the payment for returning the item is considered a benefit. Okay, so let's explain each of these. So we understand why. Um, even if I say I'm not going to give you any benefit, but I can still pay your machasit Shekel. shekel uh, because I'm doing a mitzvah. After all, the mishnah, it's not, actually it's a breitah. Uh, that says so. We maybe change it to Tanya, uh Says that one can uh, that in the Beit Hamikdash when they collect the Machasit shekel they collect lots of Machasit shekel They put it in a the chamber. Then every once in a while, when they need, they take baskets and they uh, and they withdraw a certain amount. When they withdraw, they have in mind that they're going to include um, in the communal sacrifice though uh, um, uh, the people for who, who lost their money. Um, Maybe they uh, sent Machasita Shekel, but it got lost on the way. They'll also be included in the communal uh, sacrifice. In other words, not every single Machasita Shekel is going to end up being used to buy the Korban Tamid and other communal sacrifices, only a sum of them, because there's a lot of extra. Uh, but the people, that the, the Kohanim who collect it say, we're going to take these Shekalim and we're going to have in mind everyone else also, even someone who may have donated but it got lost, Val uh or that's been gathered but didn't make it here yet. Maybe they put it in a basket in their local city but didn't get to the Bet mikdash yet. We have them in mind. they're They're included in the... Communal sacrifices that we will buy. And even if someone didn't yet get a chance to give machazita shekel, uh, the Quranim say we'll have them in mind also. In other words, everyone is included in the communal offerings, even if they didn't yet give machazita shekel. Therefore, this guy also, my friend or my enemy, um, uh, who I said I'm not going to benefit uh, f- from him, I'm allowed to give Machasita Shekel on his behalf, since he actually is not deriving any benefit. Even if he didn't give Machasita Shekel, and even if I didn't give on his behalf, no one gave on his behalf, he would still be included in the mitzvah of Korban, Tamid, and all other communal sacrifices, because they have him in mind anyway. Uh, So I'm just, uh, I'm benefiting the Betamikdash that they get an extra half shekel. So that's why that's permitted. Also, if I return his item, his his donkey, I'm doing a a mitzvah. I'm doing it because Torah says, if you find a donkey, return it. So that's why I'm doing it. He, He owns the donkey anyway. So, I'm not giving him any more money uh, that, he, that he didn't have before. I'm just doing this Mizvah, returning it. So, that's permitted uh, even though I said I'm not going to benefit him. But in this Mishnah, it says I'm allowed to pay off his uh, debt right even if i make a vow i'm not gonna do anything good for this borrower i can go to the lender and pay off the debt on behalf of the borrower but isn't that actually giving him a real financial benefit now he won't have to pay the debt back anymore uh, so that's our question. So, our question. so says the the author of the Mishnah in Masechet Nedarim. By the way, it's really nice we're learning Masechet uh, Mishnah Masechet Nedarim now. It's a little preview for the next Masechet coming up, uh, just in a few days. We'll start Masechet Nedarim. So maybe that's why we're discussing it here. Um, so Rav says the author of the Mishnah Nedarim is none other than Hanan in our Mishnah. Who said that if one person, God, a friend, who goes and uh, um, gives money to the wife on behalf of the husband, he lost his money, right? So even though he is giving money that the husband would owe, the husband can come back and say, "I didn't ask you to, to pay it back, and I'm not paying you back." So it's not it's 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 not considered um, a any any benefit. So, so to hear Hanan would say that even though I am paying back the, uh, the, the uh, lender, um, so that's good for the lender he has his, he has his money but i can't actually go back to the borrower and say uh you know pay me back because i i, I paid the money for you he can say i didn't ask you to do that right it have nothing to do with you okay so now we solve that problem that's one answer we have a second answer we'd rather that this mishnah and and not be only the opinion of of, of, of hanan it would be nice if it followed everyone's opinion stuff is Yeah, I can follow All the opinions. The Mishnah in Nedarim is talking about a case where the lender lent money on condition that says you don't have to pay it back at any point in time, right? It's open ended, there is no due date since so so a a, a a a a loan without a due date is almost like a gift i mean he has to he has to pay it back um but if there's no due date then really uh if i come and i pay back the loan on behalf of the borrower the borrower doesn't get any benefit because the borrowers like i really didn't have to pay it back anytime anyway i could have waited 100 years and so the fact that you pay back doesn't help me and that could follow even the other, the gedolim that normally they would say, yes, if I pay back someone's loan, I can go back and say, uh, give it back to me, like the friend can go to the husband and say, I paid uh, your obligation, so pay me back. Even according to that, if it's a case like this, where there's no due date, then he would agree that there is no benefit. Okay, so now we have Rabi O'Shayah, Rabi and Ravah who, get, Rav Rav, Ravah who gave two answers. How come they disagreed with each other? We understand that Ravah did not want to follow Rabi Rav O'Shea because he wanted to establish the Mishnah and the according to all opinions, not only... Uh, Hanan, So that's why Rav is better. Ela Rav Ashya, my Tamalama Kedava. How come Rav Ashya? I didn't agree with Rav it's better, Rav Ashya, he the Hanaa letle, Kisufa Mid Leitle. So answer, Ravashaya Ashya says it's true that in a case where there's no due date. I uh, and I pay back the person's loan for him that has no due date, so I didn't give him any financial benefit because he wouldn't have to pay for forever anyway. Nevertheless, there's still shame, right? If I owe someone money, even if they don't ask for it back and there's no due date, still every time I see him, I feel embarrassed. Oh, I, I borrowed money, I do have to pay that person back. And now, if someone pays back the loan on my behalf, uh, so now I'm not I don't feel embarrassed anymore so that that's why and so too in in the case where there is no due date even if there's no absolute financial benefit because I don't have to pay now anyway but now I do get a benefit that I don't have to feel ashamed anymore and so that is also considered a benefit and so uh, would be a problem according to and that's why Rav says better to say that this Mishnah is only Only the opinion of Hanan. All right, next, Mishnah. Admon, Omer, Shiva, Admon uh, taught seven laws. Here's the first. Mi v'hiniach banim u'banot, b'zman she nechasim erubin, ha'banim yorshin v'banot nizonot. A man dies, and he leaves uh, behind Sons and unmarried daughters. If there is a suf- sufficient funds, a lot of funds in the estate, then the sons inherit and the daughters are fed. Right? The daughters have the sons inherit. That's a d'oraita law. The sons, if there are sons, the sons inherit. Um, but the estate does have to pay the daughters. The daughters don't get inheritance, but they do get food, sustenance. A drabanan law. Uh, that um, you know, until they get married, they get sustenance. So if there's sufficient funds, fine, we can pay for all that. But if there's insufficient funds, and uh, there is uh, only enough in the uh, in the estate to pay for the uh, for the daughters to eat for, let's say, uh, one year. Um, then the daughters take precedence. The daughter's sustenance takes precedence, and they get all the money, and the sons will not get anything. Will not get any inheritance. So even though the inheritance is a biblical law, nevertheless, um, it's not. It's, it's it's degrading for daughters to have to go and beg. It's degrading for anyone to have to come and go and beg. But it's worse for for uh, for, um, uh, for girls, and so Therefore, uh, the boys will have to go uh, go begging. Uh, because there is no inheritance, is not even enough for them to to sustain them. That's the opinion of Chachamim. Admon, however, disagrees. Admon says, just because I'm a male, I should lose out, right? Why should, uh, if there's insufficient funds, how come I, uh, the, the, the boys will not get anything? Uh, let them at least, uh, you know, split it or something. They, they, they you know they should get zero. I agree with the words of Admon. Okay, the Gammonah is going to elaborate on what Admon meant by this. Uh, by his, by his, by this phrase, because I am a male, I, do, I lose out. My kamad. what exactly is this argument? We're going to see two interpretations. I'm a be Bishpil sheni batorah, what he meant to say is, because I'm a male, and therefore I have a mitzvah, to so study Torah, I should lose out. Uh, in other words, you know, so the, the boys, they're going to have to go out begging, and they won't be able to learn Torah, so this is not fair, right? But rather the boys, if there's insufficient funds, the boys should be able to share some of, of that also, and at least get fed. man asik who they asik counter. He says, what does inheritance have to do with learning Torah? Well, I mean, if if someone had two boys, all right, and the one learns Torah, one doesn't. What, the, what does the one that learns Torah get uh, more of the inheritance, and the other one doesn't get inheritance? Uh, we never saw such a thing, right? This does not doesn't depend on learning Torah or not learning Torah, so it doesn't matter between boys and girls in the learning Torah. It shouldn't make a difference. What he meant to say is this is kind of paradoxical, you know, according to Chachamim, right? Just because I'm a male and therefore when there's a lot of money I get the inheritance, so then I should lose out and get zero when there's less, when when there's a small estate, right? How is that fair, Um, right? If the boys get more when there's a lot of money, so they should at least get, you know, something. um, when there's a little bit of money, right? Why should it be the complete opposite? This is just a paradox. It doesn't make sense. And that's why they disagree. Okay. The Allah said, by the way, in that case is that in when there's insufficient funds, then the girls get paid first. First they get to eat and anything, only anything left over, if there's anything, goes to the inheritance. Uh, to the boys. Okay, last Mishnah. Okay, so this is going to be a law regarding Modem Mixat. The general law of Modem Mixat is. Um, if you say uh, that I owe you $1,000 and I come and say, no, it never happened. I don't owe you anything. So then you are not believed. And I don't have to swear or anything, right? Assuming that you don't have any proof. However, if you come and say, I owe you $1,000 and I come and say, I did, but I paid you 500. So because I admitted to part of it. I have to make a swear that, in fact, I paid that five hundred and I only owe five hundred. So, in other words, the partial admission, ironically, actually weakens my claim, and then I have to swear. That's the general rule. Now we're going to talk about where there's two items that are claimed, and uh, someone admits on one of the items. So a person comes to his friend and says, "Uh, "You owe me." Uh, 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 Kadesh Shemin, you owe me jugs of oil. And he admitted, yes, I owe you pitchers. Now, the difference is not jugs or pitchers, it's just they're interchangeable. The difference is, are they full or empty? One person says, you owe me full jugs of oil, and the other one says, says, no, I only owe you the jugs. Empty jugs, that's how I borrowed from you, but without oil. So Admon says, this is called modebe be-mixat. One claimed jugs plus oil, the other one admitted to the jugs, but denied the oil, so therefore that's modebe be-mixat, and he has to make a vow that I never owed you the oil, but uh, uh, I'll pay you the jugs. miminataana. say, no, these are not the, the same... Uh, the, the same species, the same uh, category. You claim two things. I completely, we separate the jugs and the oil. I, um, I completely deny that I bar- ever borrowed from you oil um, and so therefore I don't have to make a vow on that. Regarding the jugs, I'll pay the jugs and so there's no need to make any vow. This is not called mixat when you're talking about two different items. Agrees with Admon that we consider the claim altogether as one, and it is bodahem miksat, and you do have to make a vow. All right, now let's focus on Chachamim. le tanochitim patur. Just like Chachamim over here say that when the claim is drugs and oil, and then I admit that only, only with the jugs, I do, not, I do not have to make a vow. I separate the two claims. So, uh, so too, uh, it sounds like, according to the Banan, in another case where we're going to see there is a machloket about this case, if someone uh, claims that someone else owes him wheat and barley, and the other guy says, I do owe you barley, but I don't owe, I don't owe you any wheat. Um, in that case, patur. Um, uh, th- that that case would be patur, right? If that the, by, by analogy, and the reasoning there would be um, that we separate the claims, right? The claim is there's two different claims, even if he said it at once. You owe me wheat, you owe me barley. One of them he denied in full. One of them he admitted in full. So there's no need to make a vow. It sounds like Rabbanan would say the same thing, jugs uh, and oil, or whether it's wheat and barley. Now here's the problem. This uh, if the banan really do say Patur in the case of wheat and barley, then this would be a challenge to Rav Nachman in the name of Shimuel, who said that if someone claims wheat and barley and then the other guy admitted in only one of them, he does have to make a vow. In other words, we see the entire claim together, even if it's two different types. And so this would be a challenge to Shmuel. We're going to see in a minute that there is an, an, an opp- opposite opinion. Um, and we're gonna ask about that also. But for so for now, this is a challenge to it says oh. No, we're talking about a case where the, uh, the 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 claimant in the case of the mishnah was not jugs and oil but rather when he said you owe me a jug full of oil not the jug but when he's he's saying jug like we would say a gallon uh, a gallon a cup right a liter and so he's saying you owe me 10 Amounts of uh, oil that would fit in ten jugs. You owe me oil, ten jugs worth of oil. That's what he said, and that's why it's actually he's only claiming, uh, he's only requesting oil. And the other guy said, I owe you no oil. I happen to owe you jugs, so this is this is completely different. Um, The claim was only for oil and not for jugs. So that's how Rav can explain that uh, there was no contradiction. So even Shemuel who says, yes, if there was a claim of two things and he made one thing, he has to make a vow. In the case of the Mishnah, it was only a claim for one thing. But we, uh, we counter this, uh, this response. Mai tamad admon? How could Admon possibly say that you do have to make a vow if uh, if the claim was only for oil and the admission was only for jugs? Well, then there's no mixat here. And so even according to any opinion, you would not have to make a vow. So therefore, we reject Rav and give a second explanation. Yeah, Rav is going to explain that the Machloket in the Mishnah between Admon and Rabbanan is actually about how to parse language. And if the language is unclear, which way do we assume, what, what do we think he means? So, everyone uh, everyone agrees that if, it's, if there's clear language one way or another, then uh, there would be agreement on the outcome. For example, if he says, uh, the one coming to make the claim says, you owe me, uh, I own 10 jugfuls of oil that are in your uh, uh, they're in your pit. So the, the oil is in the pit. And he's saying, look, there's a lot of, uh, there, maybe there's a 100 jugfuls of oil, worth of oil in the pit, 100 gallons. This is, but you owe me uh, 10 of them. Ten jugfuls. So obviously here he's not talking about the jugs, right? There are no jugs. Uh, he's only talking about jugs as a measurement of how much oil. It's clear that it only means to uh, claim oil. So everyone would agree, Chanan and Chachamim, that if that, in that case the other guy came and said, "I owe you zero oil. I only owe you jugs," then that would not be mixata tana, would not be and he would, does not have to make a vow. If on the other end, he said, I have 10 jugs full of oil. Uh, So that means he is claiming both the oil and the, and the pitchers, and in that case, everyone would agree that the oath, he, he, um, he's asking for two things, and the other guy admitted on, on one thing, he admitted the jugs, but not the oil. In that case, he would have to make an oath. This is all according to Shemuel, who says, Chitin and Sodim is Chayav, so in fact, he can explain the Mishnah. That rabbanan also, everyone would agree that this is this language means two different things. What is the machloket in the He used more vague, vague language, and he says, "I have ten jugs of oil with you." What does that mean? Since he did mention the jugs, then he is claiming the jugs plus the oil. And when the other guy says, I only owe you jugs, it is modebe miksat, and he has to make a vow. Rabbanan sabre and balashon hazekan kanim. Whereas Rabbanan come and say, No, this language, asarak kadeshemin, does not imply that he's claiming jugs. He means 10 jugfuls of oil. And it's the oil only that he is claiming, and the other guy said kan, kanim only, and that's why uh, it's not b- modem So that's the machlo. That's why there's a machloket in the Mishnah. But Abbanan would agree that if he used, if he had clearer language and clearly was claiming only oil, uh, then uh, if if he used clear language and was claiming both, um, then he would have to make a vow, and that would be true for wheat and barley as well. Okay, so, uh, that would, that's, um, uh, so that would that's so that would that's the uh, answer for of uh, answer to explain Shemuel. Okay, with that answer, however, we're gonna turn the question around to the Bichiyah, who disagreed with Shemuel. Kan Kanim. So the only reason of the uh, that Rabbanan do not require a vow here is because The language in the Mishnah, according to them, they parse the language uh, that there's there's no claim for jugs. And that's why, since there was no claim for jugs, there's no budem mixat. But if there were a claim for jugs, then he would have to make a vow. So now, Rava, according to your interpretation of the Mishnah, we will have a challenge to the Bihi. Yeah, because the Bichiyah said if someone claims wheat and barley and the other guy admitted one of them then patur, he does not have to make a vow because we separate the two uh, the wheat and the barley are separable and therefore he he uh, uh, admitted one fully and he denied one fully there's no modeh Um but this would be a challenge according to your interpretation of the Mishnah where Rabbanan would say chayav so how is Bichayah going to answer this? So Rav Shimi says the case of the Mishnah is not like wheat and barley. It's more like if someone claims, hey, you owe me a, a pomegranate and it's peel." A pomegranate needs the peel you can't separate one from the other because then it'll it'll go bad um, and so that is considered one uh, one uh, a claim and if the other guy says oh no I, I only owe you peels I only owe you the insides of the pomegranate then that is still and you don't. He uh, would have to make a vow. Um, uh, so this is different from wheat and barley, because wheat and barley are clearly separable. So Rav Shimi is saying that the oil and the pitcher are like a rima, like a pomegranate and its peel, and uh, oil and pitcher are not separable, and that's why even uh, even the Rabbanan uh, would agree that he uh, would agree that. Um, in the case of wheat and barley, those are separable, so it's two different claims and patur, um, but in the Mishnah is talking about oil and jugs, uh, where they are connected, and they need each other, and that's why it's chayav. Okay, that's his answer. However, imon belokil batol Shema shemen belokan kanim, ravina counters that no, our case is not the same as a pomegranate. A pomegranate without its uh, skin is not preserved right it's going to go bad after a few hours whereas oil can very can very easily be preserved without pitchers you put it in a a a pit right Uh, or, or anything so it can be um, preserved in anything that can contain a liquid. It doesn't need a pitcher. And so pitchers and oil can be separated and therefore are more like wheat and barley and less like the pomegranate and its leaves, pomegranate and its skin. Uh, so Ravina disagrees with that. So rather, how are we going to help the Chiyah here? Rather, uh, the Mishnah is talking about a case where uh, the, the, the claimant said, uh, You owe me 10. Jugfuls of oil you have I have ten jugfuls of oil with you. So this was that ambiguous language that we mentioned before. Uh, the other guy, however, said uh, oil never I never owed you any oil. regarding the jugs there I, I owe you five but uh, five but not the other five. So he's Modeb Miksat regarding the oil uh, but regarding the jugs themselves, even though he fully denied the oil. So we're going to assume that, in fact, you can separate two different items, right? That was a B'chiyah. That's what we're trying to answer. The uh, B'chiyah says that if you have chitim and those are separable and would be patur. And so uh, here, what's the essence of the Machloket? Admon omedyash Kan Kanim. Admon says that when he says this, this is the ambiguous language, um, that it's, uh, uh, we assume he means both the oil and the jugs. And so the claim is for both of them. And regarding the jugs within the jugs, the, um, uh, uh, the uh, but within the jugs, he admitted to only some of them. So mudem within the jug. So therefore, uh, he would have to make a vow just for the jugs, right? That I owe, I owe you five jugs, but not the other five. We have a concept of gilgul not reincarnation, but rather rolling one vow into another, uh, which works like this. Even if I wouldn't normally have to make a vow for a certain item, if I'm required to make a vow for a different part of the claim, then we can roll in uh, both, uh, both vows, and I'd be required to make both vows. So to here, uh, normally, as Rebichia said, if it was oil and jugs, Uh, We would separate them like wheat and barley. But in this case, because um, he admitted part of one item as if he admitted part of the barley. Here he's admitting part of the jugs. So he has to make a vow on that while he's at it making a vow. So then he would have to make a vow on the oil as well. That's what Admon says. Rabbanan "En balashon kan kanim, ma lo hadalo, ma lo Where does Rabbanan say this ambiguous language? Uh, he says that it means only the oil, and that there is no claim for jugs at all. And so, therefore, the claimant said, "You owe me oil," and he didn't, He said, "He said no oil at all," and the admission was only for some jugs. Um, and but the, there was no claim for a jugs at all. So there is no modeh mixat, and that's why Rabbanan says say in this case that you do not have to um, make a vow at all. But if it, he did use different language where it was clear that he had to pay both oil and jugs, then that would be like wheat and barley, And in that case, uh, yes, if he admitted one but not the other, he would, in fact, have to make a vow. And that's how we could explain this Mishnah to be consistent with Ravichiyah. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.